Okay, I'm interested to see what you think effect. of the next one. Is he, I think it's your turn. Performance right? declines yeah. when supervisors slash teachers have low expectations of your abilities. Yeah, that makes sense. I th- I've heard this is generally true, but I think it motivates me when people don't think I can do things. I think a better way to think about it is like if the teacher has low expectations of your abilities, like like there's no point in even trying in a lot of ways because like that. But what if you want to prove? Well, them yes, that's an exception. You are the exception, Belle. Are you happy? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I really like when professors and teachers have high expectations of my abilities. I'm gonna be real, but part of that is they don't start with them, and then I prove myself. Well, no, like hard work I try to give low expectations and exceed them because, like, that's that's this that's great in life, right? Like, although I also give myself like really harsh deadlines and I sometimes tell other people them. So um, maybe I'm not as good at that as I should be. Maybe that's a better strategy. No, yeah, I remember I learning I in high school, like, a great strategy is, like, if you think you can get it done for Wednesday, say you'll get it done for Friday. And then when you get it done Wednesday, they'll be like, oh, my gosh, you got it done two days early. You're awesome. But when life hits the fan, at least you have, like, a backup plan and you don't go <laughs> See, against your word. I feel like my strategy to this is I go to the professor and I'm like, I'll have it done in 10 minutes. Let's go. See, I do this at work all the time. I'm like, yeah, I'll have it done by Tuesday. Oh, and, I, and they're yeah, like, you're I really crazy, Sevi. I overestimate myself. Say that part, but like, they're like, oh, really? And then, and, but the thing is, like, most of the time I follow through, and then when I don't, I feel really bad. Um, uh, but I'm just, pro- yeah. I know that like I need to give myself a deadline that's like super soon in order to just do it because it's it, it's like papers in school, right? It's like you end up working on the last day anyway, right? So might as well make that last day tomorrow. <laughs> I don't want to talk about um, papers. <laughs> uh, you, how many do you have left? I don't even know. I haven't even counted. I think I have. Do you five think this is from Lord of the Rings? From Two Gollum and Lord of the Rings, like people. I like, have not. Read so Gollum. Um, the full Lord of the Rings. Okay. So everyone's I don't know. Yell- Do they have low yelling at their podcast player right now. I'm sorry. Um, the so Gollum is the like this. You've definitely seen pictures of him, but he's basically this like ugly. <laughs> I read The Hobbit. I don't yeah, think he, he was. was he was the one who gave The Hobbit oh, the ring. Now. Do you remember the little, like, the ugly thing in the cave? I feel like I Hobbit? should be explaining. I think no. you don't remember the ugly thing. In... No. H- have you ever heard like the my pretty? <laughs> yeah, that's gone. Yeah, I have. Okay. Um. So, okay. So did he have low well, expectations? He, 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 I think they have low expectations of him because he's like this ugly, like barely surviving <laughs> thing. Did his perform? Wait, is isn't this the self fulfilling prophecy? No, I guess it's the other people, and then you self fulfill the prophecy. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I I feel like I don't know enough to like go into this more. But basically, like because you look down on someone, like they don't even try to like do better. It's probably a better way to put. Basically, it. just have high expectations of people. But then we learned Sevi's hacked life, which well, I like. I haven't hacked so. life. Somebody else hacked life, and I'm using theirs. No, that is that is. What do you same. mean? Okay, the hack what you hack? use of telling people you'll be done on Friday and then you're done by Wednesday. That actually has saved me in college many times because, like, shit always hit the fan and, like, I was always thankful I gave myself, like, two extra days when I told people when I'd get something done by. Or even more. Like, sometimes I'd do a week ahead. Yeah. Um, I don't Although I'm, other I'm times I would just procrastinate okay. to the end of that time anyway, so it, it, it didn't always work. Um, we are, like, not even halfway through well, I, this. I didn't expect to be halfway through this. Um, although this, this episode, <laughs> how many did we? Three, four, five, like four. six, seven, eight, nine. We got through, oh, 10, 11, okay. 12. We got through 13. Oh, okay, should we do one we more? We got through 13. Oh, or should we stop at 13? What do you think? We've already gone through 13. I think we have time for one more. Let's do one more. 
appeal to consequences, arguing that a hypothesis must be true or false because the the outcome is something you like or dislike. Good morning, Miss Bob. Morning. How are you doing? I am highly caffeinated, so I apologize in advance for the energy Uh, that I will bring to this podcast with my caffeination. I am highly uncaffeinated. I also also apologize for the energy (laughs) I will bring to this podcast. That's so funny. You can have some. I drank way too much caffeine during my exam. Okay. (laughs) How'd it go? Like, quickly. I'm I'm a little upset, but it's fine. Okay. Well, It went went really well, but then, like, one question I didn't know, and it made me mad. So, you know. Was it, like, something simple qualitative, or was it quantitative? It was something that was never mentioned in class that was a calculation. And none of the calculations we did were on it. So, it's really... You can't be mad at that. It's just, it's very frustrating to me when you prepare very hard, given very specific instructions, and then the exam is a little different. And one of the questions was the same. Is the normal calculations that you helped me work on, and then there was a mistake, and he threw that question out. So, you know, you win some, you lose some. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So we are going to go back to the hundred little ideas list that we uh, went through the first twenty of before, and now we're going to go through the next little bit until we're like, until we're good, because it <laughs> well, worked remember, so well last time. If you remember, there are not even a hundred. <laughs> Or less than that. So this is really funny. So it's called 100 Little Ideas. And, like, I read through them all because I was bored one day. And I think, like, the 81st idea or something is called um, the Fact Check Security Principle. Actually, we'll start with this one. We won't go in order. We'll go back in order in a second. But let's start with the Fact Check Scarcity Principle. So it says, this article is called 100 Little Ideas. But there are fewer than 100 ideas. 99% of readers won't notice because they're not checking and most of those who notice won't say anything don't believe everything you read the fact check scarcity principle i love how this article is like look at all these things that you should believe and then one of the things is like don't believe everything you read (laughs) which i think we did a good job in the last episode of like you know we didn't agree with all of them so that's true but I definitely didn't count how many there were, and they're not numbered. So I did also think there were. They should have had another one where, when they, which is basically a word for when you see something that makes you reevaluate reality and have to like relook at it. I feel, yeah, that's what these are. Because sure. the moment I read the fact check security principle, I actually counted all of them, which is like a terrible use of my time. But like, it was just so curious because it wasn't a hundred. Well, it should have been a hundred. They were like, you you shouldn't believe what you read when it tells you not to believe what you yeah, read. The, 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 what's it called? The double fact check? Safe, that would crack me up. It's like when someone tells you there are only 81 and you count them and there are a hundred. That'd be funny. Yeah. So if All you right. haven't seen the first part of like the first half of this, that's fine because they don't really like some of them are related, yeah. but they you don't need the first half to understand the second half because they're all just very random terms that we will now discuss and see yeah. if we and like them or if we don't. We ended up having a lot of like parallels last time. Like a lot of the first 20 like overlapped in what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Which I think is them. like, if nothing, you might learn, or like I think I learned some terms for common things that like sometimes come up and you don't have a scientific, like or not scientific, like a intellectual term for it, I guess. Right. And now we do. Oh yeah. Sorry. Wow. Okay. Um. So, uh, you want to just alternate like we did last time? Yeah. Will you start? Okay. Um. Sure. So the McNamara, I think that's right. McNamara fallacy, a belief. I've heard this word said. I've never said it myself. The McNair, the the McNaman. 
anyway, I said it right once. Nick McNamara. McNamara. Nick McNamara policy. There's it. Yeah, thanks, Phil. Um, a belief that rational decisions can be made with quantitative measurements alone, when in fact the things you can't measure are often most consequential. Named after Defense Secretary McNamara, who tried to quantify every aspect of the Vietnam War. Yeah. And so it's like a spite it, you. A lot of the um, historical context of like the Vietnam War is like public behavior and like you know public riots and public um protests and how people felt and like public fear and it led to like distrust in government which actually like you can kind of quantify with like a survey but at the same time i get how like oh no it's interesting like two things one like this makes me like not be able to sleep at night because the fact that it's like wow (laughs) like what if we're looking at the world wrong because we're just not measuring it in certain ways they should call this Um, this existential dread yeah, it's not quite that bad. Um, but, then, <laughs> but then the other one is like, like I, I think a a good phrase that makes me think of that is like, like, like it works on paper isn't a good way to describe something, right? Because mm-hmm. like it could work on paper, it could like you quantify it, and everything tells you to do one thing, but that doesn't mean you should do that one thing. So do you think you think this is right in some cases? Oh, I totally think it's a fallacy. I think, like, people way over-quantify. We're humans. Like, that's literally, like, our thing. In fact, like, I think, like, economics itself, it's, like, it's literally all math now. They're really totally over-quantified it, even though, like, technically there's a lot more nuance to it. Um, yeah. The way I like to describe things and the way I get over this fallacy is simply by thinking, like, like listen to your gut. I think your gut has something valuable to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also add, like, common sense. Or, like... Because yeah, I feel like common, common sense, sense doesn't understand quantitative numbers very much, but understands, like, a lot, like, be, like g- not generalizations, but maybe, like, things that are true. So, like, instead of saying, oh, is it 95.9 or is it 50, like, or is it nine, like, is it 49 or is it 50%? Like, saying, okay, about, like, you understand your, like, chances are, like, eh. I don't know. That makes sense. Okay. No, that makes sense. Okay, you want yeah, to the next I one? don't think I try to quantify that many things, so I think I'm good. It makes me mad when social scientists sometimes to rely too heavily on math. Sometimes yeah. it's justified. Sometimes I'm like, we need to dial this back. Yeah, I heard something about social sciences recently that was like very forward, which is like if it had if it puts science in the name, it's not a real science. Damn, I mean technically, <laughs> because, so like, my school and, and it basically. Go ahead. Um, my school doesn't call its politics major political science. Right. It calls it politics. Yeah, I like that. Which, more. and, but there are classes I've heard that like will give you an equation and be like, this shows if it's a democracy, like if you plug in the things. Right. And I'm like, I don't know. And then they're like, it doesn't work. It's just kind no, of theoretical. So then it's like, I well, just, then don't. I just thought it was so funny. It's like, like, the, like, think about it. It's like the physical science. They don't say physical sciences. They say physics. The chemical science. They well, say chemistry. Right? Like, it's the real sciences that don't say science. Which is all the, okay. Like, but this is wait, wait. This is so interesting. I just took a class on Europe from fifteen hundred to eighteen hundred. No, fifteen. Okay. Yeah, and um, we learned about like before the Enlightenment, and this professor like didn't really like the Enlightenment or the scientific revolution, which I've never really the, heard before. Yeah. Because she was like, is it even a revolution? And I was like, yes. 
Um, she said no. But she was like, oh, the old ways. I was like, what? Like, who? The Enlightenment. I don't know. There's some critiques of the Enlightenment. Whatever. But the point kind of was, like, before that, they used to call sciences, like physics, natural philosophy. And then they called other things philosophy. And I think it's interesting ah. that, like, they valued philosophy. So even, like, when they were doing astronomy, they would call it natural philosophy. Like, how the world works. Whereas now, right. I feel like it's the opposite. We have sciences, and then we have, like, we're like, this is a economic science, too. Versus, and, like, philosophy, I don't think, tries to say it's a science. But well, political how- science? Come, like. So you, you know a lot about philosophy. How would you uh, connect philosophy and truth? I think philosophy is a search for truth. Okay. What do you think science is then? Ah, it's also the search for truth. So no, I would I say think, I would I think, say science so is the I think, search for what's not true. Isn't that? Yeah, we like have talked a lot about that. That's actually that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I like that. I think in philosophy we're less. Mm, that might be wrong. Like less concerned the, about what's the, wrong. The philosophy like, is what humans think is true, right? I I feel like it's like what, what oh, feels is true. I don't know. I whereas science is more what is wrong, like, and therefore what is actually true. I would my, say my, they're my, both. My, 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 point, my point with it is I feel like philosophy is the old way that people try to find truth in their lives and science is the newer Damn. way. And that's you're why make, you're making and, me hate the enlightenment. <laughs> and, and and that's why everything is that's why everything was philosophy back then and why everything is science now. Or or not everything, but you know what I mean. Like we literally call it social science, right? But that's like, why instead I... of social philosophy. I think that's why I really like the social sciences is because they're like in the middle of the two. Anyway, so the, anyway, I, I use like I like think they're taking my point principles is I don't... of philosophy, but applying them more generally to the real world. Like I do like, and I I think sometimes they try to be too sciencey, but I think it's they're try they're a blend. Like I think that's true. Like econ is a blend of how things work and how things should be. Oh, that's what I would say the difference is. Science can tell you how things are. Philosophy is saying it's also, there's a maximum should. Like in science, I don't, there's, what's the point of saying, oh, it should generate more electricity? Like, okay. Okay, yeah. Whereas philosophy, like, the answer to, like, some issues is, first of all, like, how are things? But also, like, how should they be? Though I guess that's optimization, which also happens in science. No, but, like, optimization is, like, more, like, figuring out the most optimized solution to a problem, right? Like, what – I don't know. I, I think they're first similar because, like, science you can build off of with, like, engineering or scientists or, like, to make new things, right? Um, and it's through understanding truth. I don't know. It, I mean, it's interesting. I bet the, the difference is the quantitative versus the qualitative. And to bring it back to the McNamara fa- fallacy, I think he was trying to make a science – out of something that isn't and I think they're like they have the same goals science and like other things and like a lot of the distinctions are arbitrary but I do think the distinction might actually be like in philosophy we're, like I guess there's math but like we're, we're terrible at this list because we haven't even okay, gotten to the second we've got to move on no, let's no, just keep but, like, going no, I, I, I want to make have one more answers. tangent that has to do with what we're talking okay. about so I'm going to read this blog post that I've had open my, on my computer for a while that really made me think okay Mm-hmm. It's by Paul Graham. I think he like does something in uh, uh, in Silicon Valley, right? And this is uh, probably his like old blog. And it's this post is from January two thousand seventeen. 
Okay. I'm just reading off his website. So he gets all the credit. Because biographies of famous scientists tend to edit out their mistakes, we underestimate the degree of risk they were willing to take. And because anything a famous scientist did wasn't a mistake has probably now become the conventional wisdom, those choices don't seem risky either. Biographies of Newton, for example, understandably focus more on physics than alchemy or theology. The impression we get is that the underlying judgment led him straight to truths no one else had noticed. How to explain all the time he spent on alchemy and theology, question mark? Well, smart people are often kind of crazy. But maybe there's a simpler explanation. Maybe the smartness and the craziness were not as separate as we think. Physics seems to us a promising thing to work on. And alchemy and theology, obviously, waste of time. But that's because oh, we know sure. how things turned out. In Noon's day, the three problems seemed roughly equally promising. No one knew yet what the payoff would be for inventing what we now call physics. If they had, more people would have been working on it. And mm -hmm. alchemy and theology were still then in the category Mark Andreessen would describe as huge if true. Newton made three bets. One of them worked, but they were all risky. <laughs> mm, so that's it's like so just true. to show you that like, like you can be crazy and go after like three vastly different things. And like, I'd even argue artificial intelligence is a lot like that, right? It's like huge if mm. true, right? Um, yeah. That's there's a lot I don't of think I've ever thought about like huge if true. Because we don't know hindsight is twenty twenty is so like apt in that regard. Just because, uh, like before you get to hindsight, like you have no idea what to work on that's going to provide the benefit, yeah. right? And and this is showing that extreme example with like alchemy, right? Literally turning lead into gold. Newton was working on that just as much as physics, and the n physics Newton came up with like has literally. Like it's it's unimaginable how much it has influenced the world, right? Whereas like the alchemy he worked on hasn't at all, right? But like to him, they were equally okay. possibly promising, interesting things. Because of Newton's alchemy, I won a debate in my class this year about how alchemy is a science. So, but people that's can't turn lead into gold. I said it was scientists doing science using scientific tools and scientific methods to prove scientific claims and their success did not mean it or their lack of success didn't mean it wasn't a science i was assigned a position but anyway it's true yeah, like but the risks but, but you, you can't argue that like the stuff noon came up with from a physics standpoint is way more important than the stuff like he was doing with alchemy no and if, if you think of like a movie like we love you know the underdog story we love the like struggle that pays off but they really don't make movies about people struggling taking risks and then it doesn't pay off like i have a hard know, time thinking of some right now where that's the kind of moral of the story is like sometimes you try things and they don't work, but that's also a very important like truism. So Noon, like he would look at colors and he was so obsessed with like, uh, like uh, what's it called? I'm, I'm pretty sure this is true. I don't remember where I read this, but he was so obsessed with the number seven and he thought it had to do with everything in the physical world <laughs> that that is why he made the colors of the rainbow, red, blue, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, blue violet. indigo, violet. He added indigo to make it seven. Damn, we all knew indigo because, was fake. Yeah, exactly. He's <laughs> like, it needs to be seven. Like, he, there must, There's probably another color we can't see and he's right. Like literally, Roy G. Biv, like Biv, I, indigo. <laughs> Right, like 
Anyway, um, that's and true. it's because of all the things he believed in that had to do with more with like the mystical um, and the theology. And anyway, um, hmm. that's just uh, something interesting. Okay, now let's go to the next. Okay, idea. we that took us a long time for one. What's <laughs> the next one? Is the courtesy bias, which is giving opinions that are likely to offend people the least rather than what you actually believe. Do okay. First of all, I think this is true. Do you think this is a skill or a weakness? Well, I think. It's a bias, so it's a weakness. <laughs> um, Sometimes I think I, I get why you this think is this might be a skill. Sometimes I like think this you is have to diplomatic. Do this in politics. Sometimes yeah. this is what diplomacy is, but at the same time, it makes me like cringe. Although I'd argue a lot of like politicians, like they do push their ideas hard, but then they compromise. I think that's okay. different. Or it's like the rhetoric is less likely to offend, but the actual thing that they're saying is perhaps, I don't know, this makes me think of, like, political correctness, which I don't think is what it was getting at, but I had a whole philosophy class about that once. Really made me think, like... Right. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like the answer to that is, like, it depends. Like, sometimes you don't want to offend people, and sometimes if something's offensive, I think there's a reason it's offensive. And, like, right. that, you need to be careful of that. But at the same time, sometimes it's like, you should say what you believe. And if you really believe it, that's that. But at the same time, like, I think it depends. Okay. No, that makes sense. I I, I don't know. I feel like I fall into this bias a lot. Um, But it's hard. I don't know. It's hard for me to self-doubt, like, oh, I really believe this. I'm going to go all in versus, Mm -hmm. oh, I only kind of believe this. Maybe I'll just, like, give it to the other person. That's interesting. Now I'm thinking of things that, yeah, although I've, I feel like, like pushed this, against the curve on. Although I feel like this is more talking about things that are going to offend people no matter what and basically making them like less to make them less likely to offend people. Well, I also think the key in this definition is it says giving opinions. It's like there are some things that like are facts I'll stand up for, but I think opinions it's harder. And sometimes there are opinions I have that I think are facts and those I'll stand up for, but I wouldn't even say they're opinions. Yeah. Oh no. That's an interesting one. Let's move on. Is that okay? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So Berkson's paradox. Of course you get all short ones. I have like super long ones. Um, <laughs> sorry. Berkson's paradox. Strong correlations can fall apart when combined with a larger population. Among hospital patients, motorcycle crash victims wearing helmets are more likely to be seriously injured than those not wearing helmets. But that's because most crash victims saved by helmets did not need to become hospital patients, and those without helmets are more likely to die before becoming a hospital patient. Um, oh, this reminds me. So I think this comes, I forget if Berkson was the person who did this, but the, that's one example, the motorcycle example. Um, a much better example of I've always heard is the one where like a bunch of airplanes came back from uh, from the war, um, World War Two, to Britain, and they had holes all over everywhere except for in the engine. So all the machinists are like, "Oh, we need to like we need to uh, cover all the areas where the bullet holes are and like armor those up hard, like with more like." Basically, armor them up more, right? So armor up the wings more, up or armor up the fuselage. And like, we don't need to armor up the engine; it doesn't have any bullet oh, holes. Can in I it. get? Can I guess the ending? Yes, you can guess the ending. It's because those that got shot in the engine crashed and didn't come so back. It's 
it's it's a paradox because you should actually put all the armor plating where the bullets aren't, not where they are, because they came back when they got hit in that spot. So it's fine. Uh, so, and it's because there was a mathematician who was like at the, who was there and was like, did they figure it yeah, out? Yeah, he like for him it made nice. sense because it's like logic, right? Um, but he like had to like basically help inform them about this, and it became like that's the classic Brookson's paradox example. Um, and mm, I, I think the main thing, like, if you try to boil it down to the logic, it's like it, the, there's a negative in there somewhere that fit, makes it a paradox, right? And the negative in both those examples is you don't come back, right? The the thing doesn't come, like, the person with the motorcycle helmet act- who wasn't wearing a helmet doesn't actually get to the hospital, right? The plane with the holes in the engine doesn't actually get back to the airport. You need to, like, look for the data that doesn't get to the where the data is recorded, like the, right? Yeah. The representative yeah. data and, isn't yeah, and that's where and that's where missing. the negative comes in, right? That makes it a paradox. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that one makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Group attribution error: incorrectly assuming that the views of a group member reflect those of the whole group. What's attribution mean? The action or regarding of being like caused what, what by you a attribute to. Okay. Like, yeah. Yeah, I feel like this is like very clearly. I can think of a ton of examples. I, I feel like it's true, it's, and I think you I should think do it's it. super like if there's one loud person in a group, everybody thinks that whole group agrees with that one person. Yeah, but people are individuals. Oh, I also think this like could come across if you're representing a group and you come over and you say your own views, and that's da- that must be dangerous. But I think the hard part in that is that, like, when are you representing a group? When are you not representing a group? Yeah, and this question, or this example, incorrectly assuming that the views of a group member affect those of the whole group. It says group member, not group leader. So I'm guessing it's more like, like, it could be, you have to, as a member, be vigilant. I think we're thinking of different types of groups. Like, I'm thinking of, like, demographic groups that, like, don't have a leader. Like, like, like I'm a woman, and sometimes uh, I say yeah, things, no, I and they don't too. represent. And someone might uh, interact with me and say, "Well, actually, women think this because I think it." Yeah. And I mean, that's probably a bad one because you're going to interact with a lot of women, and it's pretty clear we don't all think the yeah. same thing. But like, uh, but like a group that like happens, that, like in a form of racism as well, right? Like you see one and you think you know them all, um, which is really bad. Yeah, and like that's. Like and it's and I think that's hard for um I've I've heard of like you know minorities who are on TV or like comedians who say like you know they feel like a pressure of like they're like if they're the only voice you hear of that group yeah like associated with that when like that's not a worry for like larger demographic groups or demographic groups that are more represented so I think that's just one that's another kind of bias that's important to keep your eye on because I think it seems like when you see someone say something you like associate that but you also have to make sure you know you're not attributing it to a group because you don't know right. what the group says things haha yours next one's really hard Botter, to say mine, not... mine are all like very well, straightforward it's, it's, German. it's not that bad Botter. Botter. Oh. I, I forgot my German Botter, <laughs> I have no idea no, I'm I'm sorry. Sorry. Mine, mine, that's close enough um, <laughs> noticing an idea everywhere you look as soon as it's brought to your attention in a way that makes you overestimate its prevalence. Oh, there's another name Is for this. Is there a name for this for, like, a word? 
yeah when you hear it and then all of a sudden yeah, it's everywhere what, and you're like what i just that's learned what that, that makes everywhere. me think of as well and i do overestimate it's a prevalence i think it's very prevalent yeah yeah, no, actually, I don't think that one's very interesting. Yeah, no, that's true. true. That happens to me in books sometimes. I'm reading about a concept and then I see it everywhere after I read about it. Wait, that actually, literally, I have, I've had, okay, now I do have a story. I had two moments yesterday where the thing I was studying happened in real life. Like, and my mind was like, oh my God. And part of that was because two classes overlapped. Like, the definition for one class involved a concept i just learned in another class and i was like oh right. my God, i understand it but it was wild yeah no that um stuff. this like whenever i'm reading a book about something i usually see it everywhere and like concepts and i'd argue this article is a lot like that too right we read one of these things and then we see it later in another oh. one through what we're talking about because we are doing the bottom line off phenomenon getting meta here okay your yeah. turn Oh my god, my brain. Okay, the ludic fallacy, which is I read it wrong. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's ludic. Um, falsely associated simulations with real life, and then there's a quote from Nassim Taleb: "Organized competitive fighting trains the athlete to focus on the game, and in order not to dissipate his concentration, to ignore the possibility of what is not specifically allowed in the game, such as kicks, the groin, a surprise knife, etc. So those who win the gold medal." might be precisely those who will be the most vulnerable in real life. I'm I trying to think understand. of literally any other example than that. I'm trying to understand I'm trying to think of an first. example of how this would apply to, like, someone who's not a gold medalist. Basically, like, when you... Okay, here's an example. Um, the game Settlers Catan, I feel like most... It's a pretty popular board game, if you're not familiar. It's really fun. Um, I've played with people who didn't trade... And to me, that changes the I whole game. I think this is supposed. I think he's spelled all this wrong. Sudden, I think it's supposed to be lucid fallacy, not ludic fallacy. But anyway, keep going. I don't. I don't know. Because um, lucid is okay. So my game yeah. example. So basically, like you understand something in the terms of how it's done, but then in real life. Oh, another example. Okay, in school they make you do all mental math, and you get really good at mental math. And then in life, when math is thrown at you. Sometimes the best thing to do is use a calculator, but your mind might be like, maybe you've, maybe you like literally don't own a calculator, which I don't, I learned today because you're so used to just having to do mental math that then like the math major or not math major, but I don't know, like the kid in math class who's really good at mental math is actually less prepared in the real world. That's how I think it applies. So this, in this case, it's like the fighter's really good at fighting within the rules but then in real life, like, this happened, I was with my aunt, um, who's a double black belt, and we were somewhere, and I basically was like, let's go into this place, and she was like, ah, it's a little dangerous, and I was like, you're a double black belt, and she's like, if someone pulls a gun, like, you li- like, the rules of the game right. are different. Right, and she may think and, she like, can protect herself. I'm, but... So she's really, like, she's the best in any fight, unless, and I think this is what this is, like, this guy's literally the best, but in real life, if someone pulled a knife on him, like... Though they do I teach see. you that in I my see what body, I'm but still. Now. Okay. Or like, if you're not used to being able to trade, you might be really good at strategizing without trade. But then in real life, if there's trade, like you don't know how to do it, or like you don't use. Yeah. So falsely associating simulations in real life. A better example. A better way to maybe define this is, um, like you're 
you're, you're so used to the rules of a game that when the game's rules change, you're actually Which not as good at the game as you originally were. Even like even if you're the if you're even if you're the best at a game with rules, then a game with less rules you're... you might lose. Even if you're the best at yeah. Yeah, outside of the simulation of yeah, like that makes sense. these are the rules and protocols. Okay, cool. Anyway, yeah. I think you're next. Okay. Oh, I am. Okay, you I'll are, go. But it's okay. I can um, go. Normalcy bias, underestimating the odds of disaster because it's com- comforting to assume things will keep functioning the way they've always functioned. Oh, this one's real. Um, I know. I don't want to talk this about one? this right now. <laughs> I feel like everyone can think of at least one example right now that applies Normal to this. Normalcy bias. And yeah, I feel like this is just a bias. Like I feel this like this is going to make yeah, you more yeah. paranoid. I feel this like this, bias, like knowing it exists. I feel like, like this is a classic bias because you're like underestimating that something can happen because it hasn't happened before. <laughs> but the, um, yeah, and just because it hasn't happened stuff. before doesn't mean something big won't happen. Um. Okay. Well. But also, does that apply to good things? Well, if you've only lived a bad life, sure. No. <laughs> and you're like, I, I don't know, I'm trying to think of the optimistic side. There are some really, really good things that are rare. You might assume they won't happen. It says the underestimating the odds of disaster. <laughs> okay, you know what? I'm just trying, I'm just trying to be positive. I'm just going to go to the next one. I feel like that's yep, true. It's agreed. Mm, sad. Um, actor observer asymmetry. We judge others based solely on their actions, but when judging ourselves, we have an internal dialogue that justifies our mistakes and bad decisions. Okay, wait, okay. I have a follow up question to this. Because really? I don't think this is true. Do you think you judge other people or yourself more harshly? Well, I think I do judge myself more harshly, but I don't think that. I think so I too. That's why that I don't that think this is true. If, if you judge yourself more harshly, <laughs> it's still asymmetry. Um, Okay, yeah, but I think it's the opposite. I think because other people, you only see their actions, and you fill okay, in let's, what let's their intentions are. Let's break this into like, two ideas. Thinking. Do you agree that we judge other people by their actions? Yes, because do you, you can't agree know that what's we inside someone's judge, head. We do okay. have like an internal dialogue that justifies our mistakes and bad decisions. Yes, but I think we also have an internal dialogue that like does the opposite. What that points out our flaws, yeah. But I feel like, yeah, if you're truly a bad, most people don't think they're bad people, even if they're like technically in jail or like a bad person. <laughs> Tec- even if they're technically, well, if they're if, if you like if you ask someone in jail, yeah. like I don't, I don't gonna, know, <laughs> like most of them aren't going to admit they made a mistake. Well, they have reasons, right? like, yeah. Okay, or they or they like like Al Capone, right? Maybe a like, less extreme example, he, like Al Capone. He like like he lived in the system and like the system rewarded him for doing the things he did. And he went to jail and like, basically like had all the power, money and wealth, like literally the system justified it. But then he like went to jail. It was like, like that's not very good signaling. Right. Um, But I think that's more of a problem with our society. But my point is like, I think he, like he, he totally justified his like bad decisions because like the system like valued that in some ways. Um, And then why did we both say we judge ourselves more harshly well, we, than others? Well, I think it's, we true. don't judge ourselves more harshly. It's that we focus on ourselves more than anyone else. So, like, why? Do you see what I mean? Mm, so, if we, 
that's so negative. If we actually spent more time thinking about other people, we would judge them more. Yeah. We, you know how much time we spend <laughs> thinking about ourselves? Like, it's stupid compared to the amount of time we spend. Oh, my God. Damn, a- maybe the key to self-love is just forgetting yourself. Yeah, not I don't know about that. Um, but I, I, I do I don't think know. that, so like, strange. I'm not. I do think... I you think totally this is do. true? Like, I, I feel like I totally made mistakes and bad decisions and I've justified them and I feel like everyone has as well. And because of that, like, I, I think we're way, like, humans are imperfect and everybody looks at the world and says, oh, the world is so stupid. Like, the world is like, everyone's an idiot, everyone's stupid. And then the reason they say that is because they don't see how stupid or an idiot they are because they justify their mistakes and bad decisions. Okay, I don't know. I don't know. And that totally it makes them feel this, superior but... to know that they're better than the rest <laughs> of the world, at whatever. And it's because they've been able to justify their decisions, and they're only judging everybody else by their actions and not by the whole story, right? I, I feel like uh, it, it really frustrates yeah. me that so much of uh, so many people. Oh, wow, it's like important. It really frustrates me that like people judge other people by their decisions without under- without seeing the full picture, without seeing the full story, right? Mm-hmm. Or like one thing you do yeah. like completely describes you for the rest of your life, right? Um, like like you could be a politician who does something like hard ass once as a technique to try to get someone to like do the thing you want, and then you're always known as the hard ass from then on. When in fact that's just like one tool in your toolkit, right? It's like. It's it, it's like uh, yeah. someone going to build a house, right? And they use all their tools, but like you only see them use the screwdriver, and you only judge them for using the screwdriver and say, "Oh, look, there goes screwdriver man." It's like it's just not. I, I don't know. That frustrates me a lot. Um, yeah, and I think that falls into this uh, this actor observer asymmetry in a lot of ways. Okay, I agree, and I think it's really powerful. Like when you stop and ask someone, like to explain not to explain their actions but like you give them a chance yeah. to be ju- and I, I don't know i just saw an article i i don't know if this is true and now i go back because i don't know where to cite it but um this article that said you can google it it was like online that there's no such thing as laziness and it was like a professor who said you know i have students who like don't do well and when you find out why it's not because they're late like even laziness she said was like comes from other like obstacles and barriers yeah i don't know if i would agree with that but that's a little far but, but i think it is true that sometimes an act that seems lazy yeah, no, is agreed. not if you like, understand there might there but yeah i i don't know if this and i think exactly, in our but... like twitter like fat fast media obsessed culture it's a lot harder to get to like the the meat right and to the story and to like what actually is happening and that's that's a one reason like i think podcasts are so Mm. so useful because you actually have long-form content where someone can explain themselves and really like go into their thinking more and you get more of a human side of it just like you would if you were having a conversation with them Mm. at a bar or like on the street right that is longer than five seconds that's so true um whereas like everything's more just like everyone shouting and you kind of have to shout something pretty obscene to get seen to get looked at and to get like noticed um Mm -hmm. and yeah anyway let's move to the next one damn you just described the next rule i did um in social media networks 90 percent of users just read content nine percent of users contribute (laughs) a little content 
and 1% of users contribute almost all the content. Gives a false impression of what ideas are popular on average. Yeah, okay, kind it's, a, of, okay, kind of it's close, but said. not exactly. That'd be funny. Oh, um, yeah, and that 1% of the users who already contribute a little bit, but then like end up being successful, so they contribute a lot. I, don't know, I think the 99 one rule, yeah, it gives a false sense of what ideas are popular on average because it's based on that 1%. But I do agree that a lot of those 1% are good, good actors because I believe most people are good actors. And they're trying to, they're trying also, to give a sense of like, like they're trying to represent that 99%. And yeah, they'll, yeah, I was yeah, they say. mostly hear from that 9%. But like, like, I feel like humans are more similar content. than you think. You can't. Like, usually when you read the first few comments of a YouTube video, mm -hmm. they're questions or like ideas that you had already thought of, right? As a human being. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think like the one person that's posting wouldn't get popular or like it wouldn't work if only the that same one percent was like responding. Like take Reddit. Like most people, I guess, just click like like or most people retweet on Twitter. Say that just means that like that the people tweeting are catering to ideas that will get retweeted by yeah. the ninety nine percent. So oh no, yeah. I think this isn't it, as extreme, maybe. So as it and seems and here. like it's really simple in the other way. Like you can't, everybody can't be famous because then there wouldn't be large masses of people following people. Like therefore, the ninety nine one. Yeah. Rule, like there, there's no other way to do it, right? Like you can't have the hundred rule, mm. right? Um, but if you're in the ninety nine, you can be careful about who you select that or who you empower to be that, that is very true online. Um, that is very true. Yeah. Okay. okay Texas. Texas oh, is sharpshooter. It's my turn. Fallacy. Goals set retroactively after an activity, like shooting a blank wall and then drawing a bullseye. Who does that? Or picking a benchmark after you've invested. Okay, the one the example they give, I feel like no one would do. But I feel like people do. I do do this. I, I feel um, like the most apt where, example of this is where it's like, after I've done something on my to-do list and I forgot to write it on my to-do list, I write it on my to-do yeah. list and then check it off. Like, that's the classic yeah, this is me, example like, for me. I once... I once, not to brag, but I once worked out six days in a row, which had not been my goal. But then once it happened, I was like, I accomplished this thing that I had not really set out to accomplish. Right. That makes sense. No, that's funny. Yeah. I think that's fine. I think goals are still really important. Uh, so. I think it's a little disingenuous, but like compared to, I, I, compared I to like moving a goals beforehand. Like that's not cool. That's neutral. <laughs> I think that's kind of funny. That's like, yeah, I don't even know. That's strange. Why is it a fallacy? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe because, like, you think the goal was accomplished, oh. but really it was accomplished and then may set. Like, maybe that's for someone who true. doesn't know that you drew it afterward, it's a fallacy, right? Because you think they're yeah, good. Yeah, you're like, look, I got really a bullseye. Big, yeah. But it... <laughs> so next time someone tries to show you something impressive, you have to ask, did you then draw the like? Was that there already? And yeah, but they're not going to want to answer that because they don't want their actions to appear. <laughs> that's such a weird thing to ask. Are you from Texas? And assume. No, um, that's kind of sad that Texas... You, I know, it's I called the like, Texas yeah, sharpshooter. A... I'm trying to think of a better... I feel like that example's so bad. I like my to-do like, example. So extreme. Although I guess it's... Your to-do list example's better, but it's also yeah. I feel like harmless. No, it's more like, like a fallacy. I like, I, I, I like the, um, the benchmarking one. Like, um... Like, if you're investing, like, an investor who's like, oh, look at, like, how successful I've been. 
right? This is the strategy I followed and I made all this money when in fact they told you, they figured out what the strategy was after they got lucky investing some money in certain things. Does that make sense? I feel like that's yeah. a better example. And like, yeah. so it's a Texas fa- sharpshooter fallacy because you're like, shit, this guy's a sharpshooter investor. Like he's super good. Look at his but like amazing really... like uh, network or amazing like framework that he came up with. Or um, And when in fact, like he literally got lucky and then put everything into a framework afterward. And therefore he's just one of the snobs who like just put money into the market in certain places and like saw what would happen and ended up becoming like the lottery winner that night. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Fredkin's paradox. Confronted with two equally good options, you struggle to decide, even though your decision doesn't matter because both options are equally good. The more equally options, the harder the decision Oh my god, this is so true. I mentioned that last time. I'm pretty sure because this happens to me. Yeah, well, that's because you're indecisive. Uh, I used to be. I feel like I'm less now, but it is still difficult when two options. And part of what you have, like, part of what I've gotten better at this is saying out loud, these are both good options. Like, they're both good options. What I think is hilarious is if you have a bad option and an okay option, you immediately decide on the okay option. But if you have a good option and another good option, it's really hard. Like you end up mm. wasting time. Yeah, it takes which you is longer. like really That's funny because so technically, like it's life. better, right? Um, on that, that I, when this yeah. happens to me, I'm like I'm on the fence. But usually, if it doesn't matter, if the consequences don't matter, I really quickly just decide on one of them because I know, like, hey, like it really doesn't matter. Well, What's yeah, more important is making a decision. Let's just make a decision. So, like, a great example is, like, when, it, you know how, like, when you have your group of friends and you're going out to eat, um, and, like, everybody yeah, like basically is like, oh, I'll do whatever the rest you want, right? And, 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 just, and it's sometimes someone just... just needs to say, like, we're going this direction, we're going here, right? And, yeah. I don't know, I, I felt like sometimes I was that person in my group. I'm like, and as a kid, I thought this sure was, like, are. super, <laughs> I actually was, like, kind of selfish in this way, because I saw this everywhere. I'm like, wait, people can't make decisions. Because they're afraid of what so people think of them, right? And they're and therefore they want to decide what's best for the group, and like they don't want to be the one to decide. And everyone's like, "Oh hell no! Like let's not do that, right?" But I took it to mm-hmm. mean like, "Oh wait, nobody can decide. This means I'll get my way." <laughs> and so if I suggest <laughs> something, like they'll all agree, and I'll just get my way more than they'll get their way, and like look at like that's awesome like i gotta go to where i want to go instead of everybody else and it was so great because like as a kid i got so much because like you were like oh i don't know what i want to do and i'm like let's do this and mom and dad are like oh let's do this wow wow i'm offended no wonder i was always the one um no like obviously like it doesn't always work because like sometimes i feel terrible because like i say something that like everyone's like, hell no, let's like, not do that. No. And like, I feel butthurt for a little bit. I also bit. feel like, but like the fact that I get what I want most of the time makes up for it. <laughs> I feel like, I don't know if this is true. I feel like sometimes my opinion is I know what I don't want to do and it's less yeah. clear what I do want to do. And I feel like that doesn't work. Like if you're in a group and everyone's like, which of these restaurants do you go to? And you're like, literally anything but this one place, that doesn't really well, you, you, motivate people in the same way as saying, no, and but so, like I feel, you know, I feel I mean? like, like the way think... it works is everybody should like work. Like you, you need both types of people. You need the people who are like, let's try this, and then someone's like, oh, I hate that type of food. Who like shuts it down, yeah. and then like someone else mentions something else, right? 
it's like it's like when we all try to watch a movie as a family we can never agree on a movie that we that we all like right and it's um like the way i try to get around that is just try to list movies until we find one that we're all like oh okay right because otherwise we're not going to get anywhere. the way i get around that is we just watch national treasure they added it to disney plus (laughs) i didn't realize it was a disney movie i don't have disney plus I don't understand what Disney. What do you mean? <laughs> I saw a video. I don't know if you know the uh, YouTube channel. Casually explained. He, it's funny. So he like he, he he like is this like bad art stick art and like but he's like really funny and it's like the super deadpan like uh, like comedy and so this one he's talking about like mm. Mars and colonizing Mars and he's like and if he. And he, like, does this great visual humor where he's basically, like, he's, like, talking about how SpaceX, like, wants to develop Mars. And he's, like, and every, he's, like, some people might think it's weird for, like, a company to, like, control a whole planet and, like, have, like, rights to a lot of it and, like, do all this type of stuff with it. And, um, so he's, uh... So, like, he basically has, like, this big SpaceX logo over Mars, right? And then he pans back to Earth, and it has a Disney logo over it. It was was pretty funny. Um, Anyway. That's funny. Um, And he's, like, basically, he's, like, the same thing's happening here. Um, Okay. Um, I think we're on Poisoning the Wells. Is it my turn or yours? I think it's yours. Mine. Oh, I remember living with this. This, like, this rings a bell. Grade. Presenting a relevant, adverse information about someone in a way that makes everything else about that person seem untrustworthy. Before you hear my opponent's healthcare plan, let me remind you he got a DUI in college. Is the okay? So presenting um, relevant, ad- adverse information about someone. So yeah. can I give a political example? I don't want to get too political. Well, yeah, I'm sure a lot of the examples are going to be political, but go ahead. Donald Trump is really good at this. <laughs> if you watch debates from him in the primaries in 2016, um, like other people would say ideas and then he would say lying Ted. And then that like killed the, like there was, that was it. Or he said, you're a really tough guy, Jeb. And like, it was hilarious. Cause it's Jeb chubby. Was, anyway, <laughs> it was a meme. It was a meme. Cause he was like, you're tough Jeb. But it, it literally, he was like, Oh, Jeb Bush had this idea, which I don't even remember because he so effectively poisoned the well of like, all you could think was and like, whether or not he's a tough guy or a weak guy, like doesn't change his idea, but it also like discredited it, even though it shouldn't discredit it. Um, so like here, it's like this guy's healthcare plan, like whether or not he got a DUI doesn't discredit the healthcare plan. But at the same time, you knowing that that person did makes you discredit what they're saying, which makes you discredit the right. idea. Yeah, no, I, I totally like, you're right. He is really good at it. And people like argue like Trump's so stupid. It's like, uh, no, he's not completely stupid. That was really <laughs> Wait, He's good at marketing. Example? Have I what? told this Ben? Oh, I think I've already told this Benjamin Franklin story on this podcast before. You must really you like know. it. Is this the whistle story? <laughs> and I don't even remember what that is now. No, it's the one where he had to write poetry oh. with his friends, and his friends traded poems to see if the poem was yeah, actually you, good without... You, you, without. So you really like this story. You've told me this offline a million times as well. I think it's so funny. 
this is the way to get around poisoning the well, which is you just pretend you're someone else yeah, and here, see if your idea is Explain the story but again, then just it in still case you could haven't be talked about on the podcast or to make it clear. I think I have. Anyway, I'll make it really short. This, these, like, they were writing poems and then critiquing each other's poems. And so two of the guys switched poems. Like, Franklin and his friend. That way. And then Franklin switched and his friend. Things. And when they read Franklin's poem, they were like, Franklin, this is incredible. You're a great poet. And the other guy goes, ha, I told you I was a great poet. But you didn't think I was, but that's my poem. And you just said it was great. So on one hand, is that getting around poisoning the well? Or is that the fact that Benjamin Franklin was such a bad poet that they were amazed? He came up with something okay. Oh, I see. And then it poisoned the well the other way. So th- this is kind of like, really, I think the moral story is like, evaluate the idea on its by itself. Like, it doesn't matter who says it. If they have a good reputation, you might be more likely to believe it. If they have a bad one, you might be more likely not to. But really... It's at, like, I guess poems, a bad example. But, like, it's a good healthcare plan or it's not. Like, it doesn't matter who says it or... Yeah. Okay. I'm not reading the examples. The classic example is arguing that climate change isn't real because combating climate change will hurt the economy. Yeah, I don't think it's true either, but I think... We're going to combat climate change and our economy is going to be fine. Well, I think a better example is the classic example is arguing (laughs) that climate change isn't real because you work in the oil and gas industry. (laughs) That's really bad. <laughs> that that um, might be more specific. Yeah, that might be more. I'm trying to think of another example. Uh, this sometimes happens to me in philosophy, where I'm like, this could be true, but I really don't want to believe it's although, true. Although, so actually, I agree. To. We shouldn't have even read that, because climate change isn't a hypothesis. Um, I know. I don't think... I think his examples and these is just are just not as helpful as the actual term. Well, he had a lot to do, so give him a little bit of or break. Or she. Um... He only 81. I don't think it's it 81. I don't remember what I counted. Um, it's not. I, I was a joke. Anyway, okay. Goodbye, Miss Bell. <laughs> hey, I think we should just end there. <laughs> Bye. Love you. Well, I think that makes sense. But, like, I think if you're more scientifically minded, you do this less. Um, yeah, I think I probably do this a lot. You gave me good advice, though, which was the opposite of this, which is to, um, Think of the worst case consequence and accept it, and then uh, yeah, I got, accept the thing. So instead of yeah, I got this from How yeah, to Stop Worrying and Start Living, which is a Dale Carnegie book. Um, he like uh, it's just a, it's the three steps. It's like stop like what's the worst that could happen? Accept it. What can you do to make it less likely to happen? Yeah. So then I think it's easier to do. I mean, in my like my case, it was a decision I was making, and by accepting the worst case scenario of make of like making the decision. And then realizing that there were also steps to make that less likely, like it was worth doing, um, which I think is the opposite of this, which is like not thinking or doing something because the consequences might be bad. That's like accept that the consequences might be bad, and like should you still do it? Maybe you should still do it anyway. Okay, cool. I think that's a good place to end it off. Cool. Yeah, we're doing a morning. Well, we will probably get through this list in like seven which is more good, episodes. <laughs> Yeah, we'll spread it out. So we're at the, we're on plain folks fallacy. Okay. Our poor dad who sent us this list, and I've talked about zero of them with him, and I've talked about like all of them with you. I guess I can send him the link, or I can bring it up at dinner. Or better yet, um, better yet, we can um, like we can just send him the podcast. Although he's going to, I, yeah, I just imagine, I can, ima- I can imagine can him just like wanting to like join the conversation so badly at all the different points we I bring know. up though. 
I did find if you're ever interested in doing guest stars, I've been finding a bunch of things where it's like questions to interview someone that a bunch of people are doing right now when they're like okay. in quarantine with or their maybe family. Maybe we can do that to each other. But I don't know. Um, oh, <laughs> that's so true. If, I didn't even think about I'll that. I'll say one more thing. Okay, kind of like sum it up. Thirty seconds. This, which is like oh, I have sorry. a friend who like listens to the uh, po- the podcast every now and again, and. He- they literally can't listen to it because they want to like join the conversation so badly and they can't and they like they like yeah and i talk with them a lot over the phone so when they uh yeah oh well i relate because i that's how i feel as other podcasts i don't understand that but like no like you don't like like every now and again the the two people on the podcast won't know something that i do know and i want to say it but like it's not like I want to like interrupt mm. and like constantly join the conversation. That's because it's a podcast. You can't do that. See, to me, it's like sometimes people say things I, that I disagree with them and I have a really strong point to disagree with them and then I can't even say it. And that's sad. Sometimes also, I feel like I listen to podcasts with experts and I couldn't join, like I couldn't add anything of value, but I wish I were an expert who was there and could, which is also not yeah. possible. Okay. Okay, um, I'll do a 30-second recap. In this episode, we talked about a couple more terms that I think are from the list of existential dread, but I don't, that are also just, it's like a hundred lists of small things. Um, and we talked about, if we agree with them, what our better examples are for them. Yeah, so we went back um, to the Collaborative yeah. Fund uh, website. We'll link it in the description. We talked about the hundred little ideas, um, which Annabelle renamed, um, by Morgan Housel. I, I still don't know if that's a... <laughs> I wonder if this is a... I'm looking up the person. They're a p- partner um, and the Wall Street Journal. I, it still doesn't tell me if they're a woman or a man. Okay, it's a guy. Morgan Host. <laughs> I just... He, he Twittered him. Um, now we can be- apply the a fallacy called... of believing everyone Ooh, who's might a like this believes this. Um, it's called The Psychology of Money. Um shows a picture of a brain That's with a maze in it at the top. Timeless lessons on wealth, greed, and happiness. Oh, well, he's using two of the three buzzwords. Look at that. Um, the, the, I, I'm <laughs> writing a blog post right now about the three buzzwords that are, like, super buzzy, and they are wealth, happiness, mm. and uh, success. <laughs> so he's, like, using two of the three. He's, like, literally, like, <laughs> You didn't even crafting. know the other one. Anyway, um, interesting well I'm now i still think those to my essays, they're good so buzzwords is the <laughs> my articles about no, they how won't they're be not they won't oh spoiler <laughs> what's they a better should, they should actually should people explain. my point about. is i think a lot okay preview but basically like the thesis is <laughs> i feel like those words are used to explain why you should change your behavior or think a certain way and instead of actually like coming up with a good argument on why you should think that way, people just like stick in the words, you'll be successful, you'll be wealthy, you'll have happiness. And like, mm-hmm. it's and that's like, not a good... and I feel like a lot of books do this too. They're like, they need to hook you. And so they just put that word on the cover or at the beginning and uh, that helped that. And so whenever you like ask yourself, why am I reading this book? You're like, oh, I want to be happier. Uh, How many, many books have um, you read? Especially, especially the happiness one. Um, <laughs> See, I was going to say. Well, no, I, I just think they... I was going to say, if you I, want people like, to write books, The way I describe it is like, if you put that in the cover, I'm okay with it, right? But you basically dug a hole 
and the book better dig itself out of that hole because if it doesn't then it's not worth it does that make sense <laughs> it's, it's like a good english paper will make a bunch of interesting frames, interesting right? yeah and then you're like oh you really dug yourself a hole there but like if it's able to like construct its way out of the hole like that's a good paper that's the analogy i always think mm. of in terms of that interesting I think that's a good analogy. I have a lot of professors who say my papers should maybe be a little less ambitious. In yeah, which well, case, I say, that's funny. no, I'm going to pull it off. Really? They say that? I feel like students I don't, say that, I don't that know if too. I do, but this has happened multiple times. <laughs> yeah. This has happened in philosophy where they're like, you could make this less extreme. And I was like, but I believe it. This happened to me where um, I take on ambitious, like, 10-page papers. And then I get the feedback of, like, maybe you could make it less ambitious. And then I say, no. <laughs> <laughs> 